0: Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Riding a bike. Let's see if we don't crash. um... All right, let's get into it. Um, We're going to get an image, I think, from, uh, here we go. Here we go, 2019. There we are. The view from New Jersey looking back over New York City on what was for us was just like the um, holiday of a lifetime and it, it was something that you know I dreamed of and, and I had this dream because we were always broke for most of our adult life, not these days but we, we were for most of it and um, I had this dream we'd take a week's holiday and give the kids a white Christmas. And uh, miraculously ended up being a month, and that is the last day of that holiday. And it just really—I didn't know it in the moment—but it was the culmination, really, of a fantastic season. Uh, the dream holiday for our family, and um, church was going well. Just a few weeks before, I'd been driving up the hill to Armidale, and and I realized that the things that God had placed in my heart maybe seven years before. Um, had come to pass and I was kind of giving thanks to God going it's pretty miraculous what he's done all the things that had found us and that had been favour on and that he'd blessed this building had opened you know and we got a bunch of these buildings that are all debt free except for Gunnedah it's brand new and, and just seeing God do miraculous things and even in my own life and in, in, in what he'd opened doors to be able to minister and influence and impact for his kingdom. It was just a good season of life. Most of all, our three children were all still under our roof. Oh, if I could freeze any moment in time it would be to bring back my three children and never let them go. I had just built a prison wall around our house and there they'd live until their father passed away. They might have killed me early. They, um, life was good. But this picture here is taken on January, uh, not January. December 31, New Year's Eve. We would wake the next morning and the year 2020 would be upon us. And what a year it was. Imagine that. Here we were, no idea that just, I think about 12 weeks later, you you would not be able to go on the holiday that we just finished. And life shifted. And in 2020, we all remember the year that will be forever remembered for a global pandemic. And then of course, 2021 happened and we all hit repeat on 2020. And then 22 happened, 2022, and we kind of hit, you know, clear waters it seemed and everything started to grind into action and move forward and everything was going well. And then for me personally, on August 26, 2022, life changed in a way that I could not have predicted and never could fathom. And so the seasons of life shift, don't they? Yeah. The seasons in your life shift. The seasons in my life shift. I've known incredible seasons of blessing and favour and goodness. And of course, we've known all kinds of seasons across our life. And, and right now, you're in a season. Uh, and, and, and I don't know what the season is, but you're in one. And at some point that season will shift the best of seasons and the most difficult of seasons at some point the season that you're in will shift and if we walk closely with God we're able to move through that season well as difficult it is and but I want to talk to you today about that and this idea of seasons and and, and in particular what I learned in a season of chaos in a way that helps you when you go there too that's a, how, how how do you do that how do you uh, survive how do you thrive how do you emerge better for it and better from it how do you how does that happen and and um, I hope I can help you with that today I feel like that's a journey that I've been on Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verses 1 to 8 say this there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens time to be born time to die Time to plant, time to uproot, time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance. I think my time to dance has been and gone, just for the record. A time to scatter stones and to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search, a time to give up, a time to keep, a time to throw away, a time to tear, a time to mend, a time to be silent. And a time to speak, a time to love and somehow, and I don't understand it, a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Life is full of seasons and it's full of times and you're in one right now and so am I. So whatever's going on, whether it's bad and chaos or favour and blessing, whether it's a time of difficulty or the wind just seems like it's at your back, we're all in a season. And there's a time for everything. And as I went through my season of chaos, the bottom line for me was this. Every season, even the worst of them, has its God-appointed opportunity. Every season has its God-given opportunity. The worst season does, and the best season does, and we like the best seasons. Well, I do. Um, But somehow, in some ways, it's the hardest seasons of life uh, where, at least personally, I feel like the most has gone on. It's kind of easy when the wind's at your back and favour's happening everywhere and everything works and turns to gold. And when you're in that season, at least for me, you think it's never going to end. But of course, people older than me knew that it always would. But bottom line, whatever season I'm in, it's a God opportunity for something. And I feel like I've just been through one of those seasons. I hope to God it's over. And I learned some lessons in the chaos I want to help you with today. So let me take you to the passage of Scripture the day chaos broke out for me that I didn't create, that I didn't see coming, I hope you never experience. But when it did happen, there was a passage of scripture that quickly came to mind. And it's helped me from that day to this. And I think it'd be helpful to you if you're living through chaos. Here it is. 1 Samuel chapter 30 from verse 1. David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it and had taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men reached the town, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So listen to this. So David and his men, so David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep if you ever cried like that not that they had no more tears left to cry but they had no more strength left to weep that's a bad day David's two wives we won't go into that had been taken and been captured although when I was single if you're allowed to have historical crushes my historical crush in the Bible is Abigail. What a powerhouse sort of a woman she was. She was like a weapon. She had wisdom and she knew how to make things work. She knew how to manage a man who had no idea how to live his life. <laughs> She's a lot like Bron. <laughs> okay, sidetrack. David was greatly distressed. Oh, sorry. When David and his men recently, they found it destroyed. So David and his men wept until they had no strength left to weep. Um, his, their wives had been carried away. He was greatly distressed because not only had all this happened, the men are now talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, Bring me the ephod, and he did, and he brought it to him. And David inquired of the Lord, "Shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them?" He answered, "You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue." And David and the six hundred men with him came to the valley, and they stayed, and, and some of them stayed behind. Two hundred of them were too exhausted to even cross the valley, but David and the other four hundred continued in pursuit. Imagine. Being there on that day, imagine coming home. We actually did a few years ago, come home one night after a party and our house wasn't burned to the ground, but it was unlivable and had to be rebuilt. It's a very, very strange experience. But imagine your house is burned to the ground, your family or whoever lives with you is taken. Every memory has been destroyed and there's nothing left for you. You are suddenly in chaos and they didn't create it. They didn't see it coming and here they are right in the middle of it. What do you do when that happens? What do you do in your life and mine when chaos happens that we didn't see coming and maybe didn't create? But even if we did create it and even if we did see it coming, what do we do? Here are some lessons I've learned. It says, so David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength to weep. Have you ever been there? And my first thought is this: number one, and I had to come to this. The struggle is real. I don't know how else to explain it to you, except to say I. Uh, so I'm I'm working this week. I'll give you an example of my normal life. so, uh, on Wednesday I'm working at 5:30. I start. I'm doing a coaching call for a pastor. I go to speak at an event for um, churches. I do some more Zoom calls. I do some meetings. I do some work and at 8.30 that night I work all the way back until the plane hits the tarmac and I'm back in Tamworth. That's not unusual and I'm energised by that. I get up and do it again the next day. But in the middle of my chaos, some days I just laid down and went to sleep. I couldn't look at an email. I couldn't read a text. I couldn't have a phone call with you, no matter how good or well-intended it was. The struggle was real and the shockwave had hit and it was like David and his men where their strength just gave way and they had nothing left to give and no way to get through except to survive the moment and see what happened next. And so when you go through struggle, when I go through struggle, the struggle is real. Mine was and yours is. It's a hard thing. I don't know whether you've been there. I've never been broken, I would say, in my life, but... I've discovered what it is to be broken And I can honestly say hand on heart It's a beautiful thing that I'd want everyone to know But no one to go through There's something powerful about it And the struggle is real And your struggle's real What you're going through then, It's real and it's okay And it's okay to fall apart And it's okay to struggle It's not, what the, it's not that we struggle that matters It's how we, how we respond to the struggle That makes a difference Look at what David did next it says, David was greatly distressed because not only was all this going on, but the men were talking of stoning him. He'd been a great leader. He'd turned their lives around. There was favour and blessing upon him. And each one was bitter in spirit because of what had happened. And, but David found strength in the Lord. And number two, the, number, the second thought, this is, these are things I live, not things I'm preaching. I will rule my spirit and submit it to God. Some They all went through the same thing, but some of them got bitter by what they went through. And bitterness will kill you in the end. It'll destroy you from the inside out. The bitterness, if they'd held onto it, would have done them far more harm than the fire they were observing. And they had to rule their spirit. And, and of course, some of them didn't, and that would have had its own flow on effect if they'd not had David there but David did rule his spirit and what did David do it says David found strength in the Lord his God and I love this because despite the fact that everything's going on and everything's falling apart and David doesn't know if his kids are safe and if his wives are safe he's got no idea and everything he's built is lost not for the first time in his life God where are you in it all and David says no no we are in this moment it is all lost The men are against me, I'm going to turn my face toward God and I'm going to seek his face. And there David found strength. And I can tell you that in the season that I went through, I had to rule my spirit and it's not always easy for you or for me or for him and it makes a difference. David turned to God. And although the men had done nothing wrong, they were now at risk of getting it wrong completely. By not ruling their spirit But David rules his spirit And I don't know about you I want to make sure that in chaos In the season of chaos That I rule my spirit and submit it to God And um, I, I think That's important for us all David refuses to stay the victim Though he is one David refuses to stay the victim, and he rules his spirit, and you know when I was going through what I was going through, there were times where I had to bless those who cursed me, I had to have grace for those who doubted me, I had to have some level of patience for those making decisions for me. You might need to speak up, but i 'm okay with speaking up. I needed to learn to be silent and not fight back, and that 's the opposite to everything in my nature and but i 've got to Rule my spirit and submit it to God and emerge Christ-like in the season I'm in. And same for you, right? We rule our spirit, we submit it to God and somehow walk Christ-like in the season that we're in. Because what you realize is people are watching and this is an opportunity even if it doesn't feel like it. And so in the season you're in, the chaos or the comfort, the blessing or the favor, may you rule your spirit and may you submit it to God. Number three is God is my go-to. God is my go to. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6 says, find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and as honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense His grace. And I read you that from the message because that's what I experienced is I just every day, usually in the morning, I love to own the morning, just find a quiet, secluded place and be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. And I remember Bron saying to me during this period, she said, oh, I've discovered that it's just great to just sit with God and not talk or need to do. I went, oh, that's most of my prayer life. Most of it is pure silence, Bron. She went, really? I went, yeah, yeah. I haven't got that much to say to God. Sometimes I have. But Brian, yeah, it's powerful, right? Just in a secluded place, alone with God, a Bible, nowhere to be, nothing to say, nothing to do except in his presence. And it is that place that David found strength in the middle of his chaos. And there's nothing else like it on this side of eternity. You can't be it for me in this way and I can't be it for you much as we try and some of you were incredible in this period. But in God's presence, aside with him, in the struggle, in the chaos, in the favour, in the blessing, it's a powerful place to find ourselves and his invitation is there to us every day just to draw near to him because he wants to draw near to us. It's there, and in it is strength, and in it we rise. Number four, God's got me, he's got us, he's got this. When something like what happened to me last year happens, you don't know if your children are going to handle it, do you? Because they haven't been on the planet for 52 years. And they've seen what goes on in private, they've seen the way you've lived, they've seen the way you've trusted God. And somehow you've got to trust them to God and you've got to trust this to God and you've got to trust your reputation to God and everything else. And what I knew before and what I certainly know now is God's got me and he's got us and he's always got this. It might not change the reality in the moment but it certainly changes the way we move through the moment. It it changes the atmosphere in which we move through the moment. It, it just does. It changes everything. It changes the expectation beyond the moment and allows us to walk boldly where you would put your head down and uh, God's got this. Uh, I remember in the f- first few days straight after um, what happened to me last year and I didn't want to go anywhere. I didn't want to see anybody and To be honest, I felt sick to my stomach every time I did. And at some point I just had to go, no, that's not how this works. That's not how it works. God's got me. God's got us. God's got this. And you lift your head and you remind yourself that you've got the Holy Spirit. And you step into the God-appointed place he's called you to work. Lessons I've learned in the season of chaos. Number five, my unspoken theology needed correction. I thought what happened to me happened to a lukewarm Christians. I knew it wasn't theologically true, but it's actually what I believed. I thought, I thought that, I thought that this happened to other people because they didn't walk tight with God because they went for England in the ashes because they were one of the Longmire boys. <laughs> I knew it wasn't right, but I was angrier that it had happened to me, and I recognized that my theology was faulty. And I got angry at first. And then I had to correct it in my life because Joseph was prepared, and Joseph was, you know, he was shaped in chaos. And David many times was proven and shaped in chaos. And the Apostle Paul did more to influence the church across the ages in isolated prison than he did in, you know, church community. And, and I had to acknowledge that God doesn't work like I want him to. And so my bad theology could hurt me or corrected theology could liberate me. And if you're in chaos and your theology isn't really stacking up, it's a good question to ask yourself, how's your theology? Because maybe God isn't, who we think he is or maybe we've just allowed something to get on the inside of us that shouldn't be there here's number six come what may i'm in with god that's what david did he just went you know what you guys can do what you want and i get what's happened and i'm i'm as busted as anybody here and he says but i'm in with god and he starts to seek the lord and he and he starts to ask god okay well god here we are what do i do from here and, one, you know, in, in, in the middle of that, God, God, um, sorry, I lost my thought. Come what may, I'm in with God. Um, you know, one of the things that God said to me, and, and I believe it's probably true. I thought it was true before I went through the chaos that we have lived. But, but the, the, there's something for you to carry, Darren, beyond this season. I think that's probably true, but I don't really know. But what I wanted to do was remove that carrot from why I would live it and go well it doesn't matter if this is it It doesn't matter if this goes south it doesn't matter if I never lead a church again that it doesn't that stuff just doesn't matter what matters is that I'm going to be Christ-like in whatever season God gives me to steward and heaven is my hope and heaven is my home and this side of eternity every day is just a bonus and literally that was it I'm like come what may I'm in with God and that's what David did He's like, well, everything's gone bad, but he still seeks the Lord. He's still like, well, God, okay, this has happened to us, but what are you up to now? And, and and I think that we want to move through chaos that way. I don't need a carrot. I don't need anything except the promise of God that speak to who he is and all his promise, full stop, that's it, doesn't matter. It does. I'm in with God, come what may. And then number seven, as I wrap this today, is I'm still here to do God's will and I love what God does, uh, David does. He says, then David calls the priests and he brings the ephod and of course this is what the priests would carry into the holies of holies to seek the Lord for the people of God. And so David says, I want the priests and I want that ephod, I want it here because I'm going to seek the Lord for what the Lord has in mind and David's message is clear. I'm still here to do God's will come what may, I'm here to do God's will and And I'm not pulling back, I'm pressing forward. I'm not going to abandon the calling to settle for comfort. If I can be honest with you, which I'm sure I can, I I got made some very, there were some very good opportunities that came up in the middle of what went on. And I'm like incredible, ridiculous opportunities that came up in the middle of what went on. And I had to go, I've never started for comfort. I'm here for calling and I'm not going to swap that now. And 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 this final thought here, whatever you're going through, is just to go, God, I'm still here and I'm still here to do your will. And if chaos has gotten you bumped out of shape and off track, if people have hurt you and got you bumped out of shape and off track, just remember that, hey, let's just correct that today and go, God, I'm still here and I'm still here to do your will. Why would we let anybody detour us from what God has called us to? You know, just go, I'm still here, God. I'm still in God. In fact, I'm all in God. I'm not burned. I'm not on the sidelines. I'm not deterred by what people do to me. It doesn't matter what anyone says about me. It doesn't, it just doesn't matter. I'm still here and I'm all in with you. And that is just the best way to move through chaos and to emerge beyond it as well. In Jesus name. God, I'm still here and I'm still here to do your will.